We are so thrilled to be partnering with Hinge. Hinge is the dating app designed to be deleted. As you all know, I'm a huge Hinge advocate as I met my partner of almost three years on the app. Even before meeting him, Hinge was always my go-to app because I met more relationship-minded people here and had some great dates. Clearly, I haven't been on the app for a little while, but I re-downloaded it to check out some of the new features. One that stood out to me was the voice prompt, my best friend's take on why you should date me, where your friend can hype you up. Not only does this make the profile creation less daunting, but it's not always easy to see your own green flags. So to test it out, I asked UA some fun prompts to get her take on what I could put if I was dating again. So the first one, how long have we known each other? What was your first impression of me and how has that changed? Julie and I have known each other for almost 10 years. My first impression of Julie was that she's very social, but I've learned that she has a lot more depth to her beyond the social butterfly that she is. My next prompt, what do you think are my green flags? I would say she's deeply loyal. She believes in love, curious mindset, and she is fearlessly ambitious. And then last but not least, what kind of friend am I? Julie is the kind of friend who will always have your back, no matter what. Damn, that feels nice to hear. So download Hinge and try voice prompts today. Then find someone worth deleting the app for. Hi, I'm Yue Shu. And I'm Julie Kraftchik. We are active daters turned dating sociologists. Here to dive into everything modern dating and relationships. Welcome to the Datable Podcast. Hi, Datables. Welcome to another week and another episode of the Datable Podcast. We are back with so much more to talk about when it comes to dating. But today in particular, we feel like this is a mindset a lot of people have. It's like you're cursed when it comes to dating. <laughs> you know, you you were dealt <sighs> the bad hand. Why is it you? getting cursed. I think we've all been there at some point that you're just like, why can't anything get past whatever date is the one that's causing you challenges? For me, it was the third date. The first and second were pretty natural. It felt like there was no issues having conversation, the date talk. But I think the third date for me held importance because it seemed like that was the time where people were making more of a decision. Do I want to keep going with this or not? But as we talk to our listener today, the second date was what was getting him. So I think everyone has that point, but we all have it or had it if we can get out of that mentality. And it's so easy to say, why me? This is something I'm doing. I'm cursed. I'll never get in a relationship. I'll never get past this. Or you can see this as this is just part of the process of dating. This is what we're really going to talk about. It's just a mindset shift. If you want to believe that you've been cursed, It's a self-fulfilling prophecy. You will surely be cursed in dating. So how can we make that mindset shift? And I've had to do that a few times in dating because, you know, I I thought I had the good luck Chuck curse where everybody I was dating would go back, run back to their exes. That was a lot of fun. And then just looking back on it, it was really because I was attracted to people who were emotionally unavailable, who were stuck on their exes. That was my pattern. It wasn't that something I was doing to driving them back to their exes. That's the thing is with dating is you have no idea what's going on in someone's life and where they're coming in when they meet you. When you meet someone for an hour over cocktails, it's like, what do you actually know about them? Nothing. Nothing. But we think we know everything and we think the chemistry, the spark, that's you know, what's going to keep something going, but we have zero idea of the larger 
issues at play, people that may or may not be in their lives. We just have no idea. Or who's in their lives, who's in exactly. their rotation, who are they trying to get over or get into? What do they actually want? Like today's world, like we can't no assume idea. that everyone wants the same things that we do. And also the other piece of it too, it's what makes dating and relationships so interesting and love, I guess, as the larger part is that it does feel sometimes like it's hard to find and hard to get. And when you do, that's when you get that like rush that comes over you because it's kind of this like elusive feeling that you're not feeling with every last person. At the same time, that's what makes it a beautiful thing. If you just connected easily with every last person, we wouldn't care about it at all. We wouldn't hold any value to it. We have to remember that probably 99% of the people we go on dates with are not going to be matches. And that allows for us to be excited when we actually find that person that is. And the more people you do encounter in dating, I I mean, it's not a numbers game in terms of finding your person, but you do need to have these experiences with different kinds of people so you know what you like. We can all sit in our rooms and say, hmm, I think this is my ideal partner. But unless you encounter actual human beings, (laughs) you won't know what are the qualities you're actually looking for. So it's good to actually go on these one day, two date things and know, okay, great. This is not a good fit for me now, I know. I think we all need that period of life where we serial date a little. I'm not, okay, I'm gonna go back. We don't all need it. Some people can just <laughs> be lucky, find that person. Okay, I'm gonna retract that statement. But if you do find yourself in that phase of life, it's okay. It's helping mm-hmm. you get data points. It's helping you learn, like you were just saying, about what works and what doesn't for you. So instead of looking at it like, oh my God, why is nothing working out? It's just the phase you're in. And and it's helping you get there. Yeah, I do kind of admire people who didn't go through that phase. My college friend Jane and her husband Elvin, they've been dating since college. And well, they they're now married, but they're each other's first everything. And they've just molded this partnership that really works. Of course, they've gone through many different phases of their relationship, but they are just so good for each other. And it doesn't leave her wondering is there someone else better suited for me? But that that's always been my fear is like, if I don't get to date around, well, I constantly wonder, could someone be a better fit? Yeah, but not everyone's wired that way. You know, no. that's just, I think yeah. also it's like, if you have a good thing, do you want to lose it, right? I think it really just depends on your circumstance, who you meet. A lot of dating is luck too, right? Like we can prepare all we want and we should be preparing, but there is a component that you do need to cross paths with someone that is a good fit for you. Maybe you were one of those lucky people that met that person in your college classes, or maybe you just went from relationship to relationship or the first person you really started dating ended up being that person but that's not all of our stories i think most people listening to this podcast it's probably not their story and that's okay (laughs) and part of that story is how do you learn from the people that you dated in the past here we go i see where this is going (laughs) i see where this is going we've got a big announcement (laughs) we often we've talked about this we often give feedback like even leaving walgreens you get this 10-page survey form, right? You leave a job, 
job and you have to go through an exit interview. But when it comes to things that really matter in life, like relationships, we don't give each other feedback when we exit out of those relationships. We just kind of leave it and you leave everyone wondering, I wonder what went wrong. So (laughs) we've been alluding to this for a while. This is one of our big announcements that we're finally able to do. It's been a year in the making. Has it really been a year? It's been a year. Oh, I was thinking shit. about it. This It's actually longer than a year because we started pitching and coming up with this concept prior to this, but we signed this contract a year ago because I remember I was in Tahoe and we're doing the same trip this year, like a year later. And I, I can't believe it because my, my partner's friend comes up and I remember being in the hot springs in Tahoe on on the phone with you and our lawyer and you were in Mexico with no reception. Oh, <laughs> we like needed shit. to get this shit going. So yeah, it was a year ago to this day, pretty much that we were going through this. And what is this thing that we've been working on for a year? You all know that we did a really great episode in season eight. It's called The Exit Interview. It's with our one of our community members, Jason, where we interview some of the women he's been on dates with to get their feedback of why things didn't progress. That episode did so well that we turned this into a series concept that we shopped around. And iHeartRadio really loved the concept and said, hell yeah, we'll buy it and let's partner <laughs> on it, it and yeah. produce it. And let's make it happen. So that contract was signed exactly a year ago. But I would say a majority of the time we've spent was in the casting process, getting people for the show. Yes. This was actually new for UA and I too, because as you all know, Dateable is a homegrown product. Mm -hmm. We do have more help nowadays. We have a great editor. But for so long, it was the two of us just doing our thing. And with this project, we had a full team. We had two producers, an editor, a someone that was doing casting i like mm-hmm. yeah like we agency. had a whole casting agency yeah. but then we also had someone on our team that was yes. coordinating she was the coordinator for this whole thing yes. it's just been a whole team effort and yeah i mean finding people that are brave enough to do an exit interview plus have enough exes or past flames to talk about it plus them being brave enough isn't the easiest no. isn't the easiest feat but i'm so happy with the people that ended up up participating in this we had such a well-rounded group ua and i plus our team were just so invested in everyone's journey so we're really excited to bring this into the world because we think you all will be equally as invested in these people plus as we learned from dateable a lot of themes we saw are applicable to all of us so while you hear their feedback their struggles it's all things that we can reflect on for ourselves to help us become better daters which ultimately is our mission over here at Dateable. And of course, there are cringe moments. There's always going to be cringe <laughs> moments hearing from your exes or people who yeah. may have rejected you or maybe you've rejected them. But it's so <laughs> worth it because it does help us grow as partners, grow as people. And it's always good to get feedback. Feedback is such a gift that we don't often take or mm-hmm. give. So this show is called So Creatively exit interview. (laughs) It is by the time this episode goes out, our first episode will be teed up for this coming Thursday. 
So that's mm-hmm. going to be the premiere episode. But if you're listening to this before Thursday, you can still subscribe to the show on any platform you get your podcasts to search for Exit Interview, as I'm doing right now in Apple Podcasts. Hang on one sec. Exit. Where the the neon sign one, and it says Julie Craftrick and UA Shoe underneath. So you'll know you're in the right place when you see that. Yes, it comes up first when you search Exit Yay. Interview in Apple Podcasts. Should we play the trailer? Should we just do it? We could. Let's do it. Yeah, let's, let's do it. Do it. it. Okay. Huh. But I think people should also go listen on their own to subscribe, follow, so you get this episode when it drops. But let's let's do it. Listen to the trailer. Haven't you always been curious? Why did they break up with you? Were there actually feelings involved in your situationship? Has your ex always wished they could get back together with you? Welcome to Exit Interview. I am Julie Kraftchik. And I'm Yue Shu. We've spoken to thousands of modern daters on our podcast, Dateable. And today, we're putting all of that experience to use in a very exciting new experiment. We know you're out there in the dating world, craving connection, but you just don't know what's going wrong. So who better to ask than your exes? Ew, that's right. We will be speaking with 10 daters who are ready to brave honest and often brutal feedback from their old flames, hopefully gaining insights that will give them a better chance at finding love. And you're not going to believe some of these real-life stories. He upgraded himself to business class while I was in economy. <laughs> Wait, wow. What? We'll be asking all the hard questions. Are you actually a f- boy or not? Oh, <laughs> There's feedback that will make you cringe. She could be a little bit hard-headed, like not reading the writing on the wall. And feedback that will make you swoon. When she said that she had feelings for you. I had no idea. Really? (laughs) And maybe you'll learn a thing or two yourself about how you can be a better dater, lover, or partner. Obviously, like, knew I was going to learn something. I didn't expect this. And you're not going to want to miss a single moment of this wild ride. He still had his ex-girlfriend's clothes in the apartment. We went on one day. I was about ready to fall asleep. Oh, is that what they said? Is that what they said? Can this be like my actual exit from your life? This is Exit Interview. Listen to Exit Interview starting March 9th on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Ah! Oh, it's so good. Chills. I love how this came out. <laughs> I also feel like this song should be turned into an EDM remix. kind of makes you want to dance doesn't it yeah but honestly i felt like we were recording a reality tv show but in the best way possible that it was entertainment but also incredibly insightful so we are so excited we cannot believe that this year-long journey is finally coming to life to fruition to all of you so Again, we'll say it one more time. Get on there, subscribe, and let us know what you think of the first episode. This is a limited series. There are only 12 episodes, but of course, we would love to make more seasons of it. So once you listen to the first episode, if you like it, you know what we always say. Give us a rating and review in Apple Podcasts. But this time... You can do it for Exit Interview and for Dateable if you haven't done it for Dateable yet. (laughs) Five stars, please. (laughs) Or send us an email if you have other feedback. (laughs) (laughs) Anything less than five stars, feel free to DM us. (laughs) Don't put up your review yet. It's like on Yelp, you know, the manager's always like, before you leave a review, call the manager first. (laughs) 
Yeah, but we do appreciate it. We've actually had some people send in feedback and we are working that in, Mm -hmm. you know, two new episodes about just, you know, diversity of guests or whatever it may be. And I feel like this exit interview, we had such a great cross section of guests in terms of sexuality, in terms of race, in terms of just outlook, geographic diversity, like all over the map. We ended up getting such a great group. So again, big thank you to everyone that may be from that podcast that are list that's listening now. We know quite a few of you after we recorded, we're like, okay, I'm now subscribed to Dateable. I'm in it. We're also proud to say it's an all-female team. The whole yes. production team. Oh my God. Yeah. Women. Even at iHeart, everyone. And we had weekly recordings and meetings. It felt like we were in the room with everyone everyone, even though everything was done virtually, which is crazy. I don't think something like this could have been done even three years ago or even thought of, right? So thank you, COVID. I don't know. But (laughs) everything was done virtually and across so many different time zones. We actually interviewed someone in Taiwan. So yeah, we really hit all kinds of time zones. It's a We have an international cast and just it was such a great way to see this one episode manifest into so many different episodes and the different learnings that we had. We call it a labor of love. It truly is a labor it of love because yeah. it was very in- intense <laughs> when we were recording. I love these exit interviews, though. If you are brave enough, maybe you don't have to go on air or you could for season two. Hopefully we'll be there. And, but yeah. if you're not brave enough, I highly recommend doing something like this on your own because it really does give so much insight into what's going on. And so often, I'm going to bring it back to second day curse, like we think it's all about us. But what we learn from exit interview, a lot of times it's not. <laughs> you know, sometimes it is. And there are patterns that we need to be aware of that's good for us. You know, we always think like when we do an exit interview, someone's gonna be like, oh, they weren't attractive enough. But we barely heard that come up, if at all. It yeah. was more about just behaviors people were doing or shit going on in the other people's <sighs> lives. Yeah. yeah. Or just like why you as the dater are drawn to the people you are. That was a big aspect. So I wish we could have talked to Kevin while we were doing this, who's our guest today, because he would have been a great, great subject for an exit interview, because I think it would have actually helped him realize that he has a lot to give. And the second day curse really isn't a reflection of who he is at all. I think maybe one day you and I should give each other exit interviews with our exes. One of these days, one of these days be kind of funny (laughs) even though for some of mine i don't know how to reach them no idea but we'll figure it out we'll do it i mean i think it's good because even if you're in a relationship you could learn from it right like there's obviously reasons why your exes just didn't work out but maybe there is some pattern that you were doing that you were not aware of that could help in your current relationship the exit interview really is the gift that keeps giving thinking back to your exes do you think most of them would be open to doing an exit interview? On air or off air? <laughs> so that's mm. a difference. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, I know, like, <sighs> my most serious ex, it's, like, weird to say it that way, but, you know, like, the one that was more of my love before my current partner. Yeah. He would do it in a heartbeat. On air, off air, doesn't he matter. He wants to. Yeah, he's been dying to be on this podcast for years. <laughs> 
<laughs> so funny. We keep talking about him. I've never met him in person. <laughs> Might as well just bring him on the show. I still find that very strange, but I guess it just never happened with timing. So he'd be willing to do it. Maybe oh, he would do it. About it for on air. I don't know if anyone else would do it. What about you? Do you have anyone Zero, that would do it? Of, all of them would be like, hell no. <laughs> i mean again major props to everyone that was participating in this like i really think that everyone showed a vulnerable side to put themselves out there and give or get that feedback and if you are someone who hasn't had much relationship experience we also have an episode for you oh yeah we do an exit interview with someone who didn't have any exes to share with us but we were able to get some really great feedback for him totally okay well tune in thursday let us know what you think again we are so excited we're gonna have like a mini launch party together because we will be in person together on thursday yes Yes. we should do a listening party we should we definitely should (laughs) okay subscribe subscribe you you can look for exit interview show on instagram that's where you can follow the show but we'll also link all of this on our instagram yeah at Dateable Podcast. You can, again, look for this show on every platform that you listen to your podcast. It's called Exit Interview. Okay. I feel like we said enough announcements today. So, but before we get into it, let's hear a message from our sponsors. This episode is made possible by Blissey. Who knew that a better pillowcase is all you need for better sleep? Let's talk about practicing self-care while you sleep. Set yourself up for better sleep with Blissey's award-winning 100% mulberry silk pillowcases. Seriously, silk is what's best for your hair and skin. It reduces frizz, tangles, and prevents breakage. There's a ton of dupes out there that claim satin can be an alternative to silk, but that is just not the case. Satin's made from synthetic fibers like polyester, while silk is a luxurious all-natural fiber. I've noticed that not only am I getting a great night's sleep, my hair also looks so smooth and shiny when I wake up. Blissey silk pillowcases are the best ones on the market. They have a ton of different prints and colors, and they make great gifts because there's an option for literally anyone. They have over 1.5 million raving fans and you could be next. Try now risk-free for 60 nights at blissy.com slash datable and get an additional 30% off. That's blissy, B-L-I-S-S-Y dot com slash datable and use the code D-A-T-E-A-B-L-E to get an additional 30% off. You'll wake up feeling better than ever. This episode is sponsored by Via. We all know there are things that can help set the mood in the bedroom, but did you know a little THC could also do that? Yes, Via has developed a unique blend of pleasure-enhancing cannabinoids, libido-strengthening herbs, and a low dose of THC all into one mind-blowing gummy called High Love. This gummy, wow, it will awaken your senses, increase blood flow, and intensify any sexual experience. I've been pleasantly surprised by the High Love gummies because it is just the right amount of THC for me to have a good time without feeling sleepy. And hey, if THC is not your thing, Via also offers a wide array of other gummies without it. And everything legally ships in 50 states with discreet packaging directly to your door. So if you're over 21, you can get 15% off and a free pack of award-winning Dreams THC plus CBN sleep gummies with our exclusive code DATABLE at ViaHemp.com. That's V-I-I-A-H-E-M-P.com. Let the gummies work their magic. Head to ViaHemp.com and use the code DATABLE to receive 15% off and one free sample of their sleepy dream gummies. That's ViaHemp.com and use the code D-A-T-E-A-B-L-E at checkout. Take your passion and pleasure to a whole new level with high love from Via Hemp. 
This episode is made possible by Armoire. Armoire makes getting dressed easy. With a clothing rental membership from Armoire, build the perfect wardrobe with brands that are high quality, unique, and recommended just for you. All you have to do is take a five-minute style quiz and select items from your dynamic, personalized closet. The styles show up at your door in as little as two days. Then when you're ready for new clothes, just swap them out. Listen, I live in Southern California. There is absolutely no need for puffer coats or any sort of those winter jackets. But when I travel anywhere else in the world in these cold months, I'm often burdened with the task of getting winter clothes. And now with Armoire, I can just rent my winter wardrobe. It's brilliant. Right now, our listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off their first month. That's up to $125 off. Just visit armoire.style slash datable. That is armoire.style, spelled A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash D-A-T-E-A-B-L-E to get up to 50% off your first month and never worry about what to wear again. Try Armoire today. Okay, let's hear it from Kevin about the second date curse. There are certain magical things that can happen in dating and curses could be one of them. (laughs) Some of us feel like maybe we have a X curse, you know, like the X that never leaves your orbit. (laughs) I've also heard of like the three month curse where relationships don't go past three months. And our guest today believes that he has a second date curse where his dates do not get past the second date. Welcome to Dateable, Kevin. How are you? Hi, Julian Yue. I am doing great. Excited and a little anxious (laughs) to talk about my second date curse, but happy to be here. Well, we are happy to have you. (laughs) We want to demystify this for you. See if it's like a real thing. Let's figure this out together. But who is Kevin? He's 28 years old. He lives in San Diego, originally from Tucson, Arizona. He's pretty single and has been taking a dating sabbatical. Second date curse. Tell us all about it. How did you start to realize that you may have been cursed? Yeah, after kind of thinking about this before I even got the opportunity to speak about it, the first time I jumped on the dating apps and like exploring like relationships, maybe like six years ago, fresh to like Hinge and Bumble, and I've been going on these dates that Chris didn't really exist at that time. Like I would still make it up to the second date. I'd be fine with that again. I just wasn't really invested at that time. But so where it really manifested itself was last year where I moved to San Diego, was again still single and decided to let's re-explore the apps, meeting people in real life and kind of valuing like quality over quantity. So like not trying to swipe as on too many people, trying to find more quality people to see. So at the start of last year, I started to like match and go out with these people. Again, I thought I really aligned with them on like values. We were really vibing with each other and first dates would go good, make it up to the second date, then we would both feel good about it. Then after that, I would either be ghosted or just they would tell me like, hey, I'm not in a good spot to like date anyone right now. So Mm. I think it's just Mm. best if we just don't pursue anything else after that. So after going on two second dates for like the first three months, I'm like, oh God, I started reflecting on my entire dating history. I'm like, I've only made it up to the second date ever. And I think Mm. I've started to put a lot of pressure on myself this year, again, valuing like quality over quantity. A lot of my friends started asking me like, oh, how'd your second date go? I'm like, yeah, it went good. But like, I don't think there's going to be a third. And before that, I started telling my friends like, I think I might be having a second date curse. And my friends are like, oh, I'm like, I wanted to bring that up. But like, 
after you like telling us you've only been able to go to the second day, I'm like, I think you might have that second day curse. So like after hearing their thought on it, I think that's when the curse like really started to take hold of me. And like, that's when I started giving it power. Mm. I think that started to affect like my dating anxieties and like behaviors of like Mm. future dates after that. So like more dates throughout the year, that second date curse would just like take grasp of me. And I'm like, I need to get to the third date. Like that's my end goal ever. It's a lot of pressure though to put on yourself. This curse is coming to get me and I need to make sure I can move past it. Like how did that like pressure either help or hurt your dating life? I don't think it helped me by any (laughs) chance that I could think of. It definitely hurt. Okay. And I think the biggest instance of this was probably the last girl I was dating went on dates of last year. Again, it put the pressure on me where it's like, if I don't make it past a second date, it almost created a sense of like, am I worthy of love? Like, am I ever Mm going to succeed and find somebody? So it was detrimental for me to like succeed and make it to the second date. And kind of going to the example of that girl on the first date, really comfortable with each other. Again, we had a lot of like similarities in our personable lives, interests, and we started talking about our boundaries. And I decided, never brought this up with a girl before until now, decided to tell her about my second date curse. And I'm like, yeah, so like, even though this is our first date, <laughs> I'm like, I have this weird belief that I have a second date curse where things never make it past the second date. And I told her that and she kind of laughs at it and she decides to tell me like, oh, that's kind of funny. I have a third date curse. <laughs> <laughs> she's like usually after third date like i usually make a decision about the guy but it never makes it past the third so oh she makes a decision she's in control yeah but after hearing that that even kind of like added to me oh, i'm like shit. oh god like if i make it past the second like now i gotta make it past the third. To the third and the fourth with this girl so like it added even more pressure to me and like the idea of the second date was always lingering to the point where i would be present with the girl I'm, like talking and like not nodding my head yes like just to show like i'm there and like listening but i feel like i would always ask questions of like oh how's the date so far like is there gonna mm. be a next date i'm always mm. asking like these reassuring questions to like validate am i doing a good job where we can get to the next date that's so interesting because it feels yeah. like when you're talking about it, like that first date seems like it's no problem because in your mind, you're just like, oh, the first date runs smoothly. It's after yeah. the second date. So then that builds up and I could see how this just constantly asking for reassurance, it's almost a self-fulfilling prophecy, right? That you believe that you're not going to get the second date. So you put that energy out and then you don't get the second date. Yeah, exactly. And I feel like just having that thought almost put dating on like autopilot where like, I just wasn't focused on like having fun and really like fully, truly getting to know the other person. It's again, my mind was like, all right, ask for like these validating questions to ensure you make it far enough. Right. That's so much pressure on everybody involved. I'm feeling the pressure. I'm not even on this date with you. As I'm thinking about this, it's like the second date is barely the first date, if you really think about it. Your first date is just kind of a meet and greet, get to know each other, really no pressure. But the second date is kind of like the first real date. So your second date curse is really just a first date curse, which is what everybody (laughs) has. You go on a million first dates, but you're getting in your head about it. So that now becomes this milestone that you must achieve. And all of a sudden, your date is all about achieving this milestone. So with the woman that you went on that date with, and she says she had a third date curse, whatever happened with her? 
Yeah, we ended up going on three dates over the course of six days because my anxious style and like that second date, Chris, like I'm trying to push it super fast, like totally what you were saying, uh, UA, like I was trying to hit these like achievements and like a milestones. I'm like, all right, made it to the third. We ended up making it to a third date two days after the second date. Then lo and behold, after the end of the third day, I'm like, so uh, we made it to a third date. Like, am I going to have a fourth date to break your curse? And she's like, yeah, like, I think you have a good shot at it. So a couple days after that, like during our text messages, I could pick up that she was a little bit less communicative and not sending as long text messages. So I decided to give her space, not text her as often. And a couple days later, she ended up telling me like, hey, I don't think we're compatible, just kind of like based on like our past three Mm. dates and like our dating behaviors and stuff like that. And she actually brought up from her point of view, she thought like, I just feel like between the two of us, we were just trying to always plan the next day and just keep going and going as opposed to like really getting to know each other. Yeah. So I was going to ask you, did you even like her or was it more about just getting to this <laughs> third date? Mm. Truly, to be honest, I did like her. I think even though she says we were like not compatible in a way, I thought we were incompatible in a way. And we had a lot of like similar interests, upbringings and personal lives. It felt like the most natural connection and most genuine person like I went on these dates with. I get your frustrations, Kevin. I get it. <laughs> mm-hmm. What's your current state of things? Where's your mind at now? So after that, I um, decided to like take a break from the apps and just dating in general and just reflecting on my dating behaviors and like the whole idea of the second date curse. And I'm also having the help of like a therapist, like helping me like tackle this and like practices to like put into practice to like help making me feel anxious and stopping my mind from like, focusing on like any kind of curses or things for some kind of validation. Kind of been doing that for like the past three months. Dipped my toes back in dating apps, not fully committed, but yeah, I think that's where I'm at right now. I think, you know, when you wrote in about this, it really resonated because a lot of daters feel this. Maybe they don't yeah. call it a second date curse, but we hear people all the time that just say, I just want to get to the second date or the third date. Like yeah. it is this milestone. And I know even for me, like before I started Dateable, I remember just being like, why can't I make it past three dates with someone? Like, why is it like, what is wrong with me? Like, why do our minds go there? And for me, like doing this podcast is really therapeutic because you heard all the other people also be in the same boat. And it wasn't like, oh, there's something fundamentally wrong with me as a person. I guess maybe it's just a question for everyone. Like, why do you think like dating puts so much validation on us that we feel like just because someone doesn't want to go on a date with us again, there's like something wrong? I think for me, I have very little dating and relationship experience. So it's like I have no clear benchmark of like what's good or bad, but I feel like all my experiences have been kind of bad. So there's that pressure that comes with it. And I guess being surrounded by all my friends who are in relationships, whether that be engaged, married, or dating for like X amount of years, if I can't make it past like the second date, like I'll never be able to achieve that. Yes. I think it's unfortunate that we base relationships on these quantifiable markers instead of the have you been on three dates? Have you made it past six months? It really should be, are you happy? Yeah. <laughs> Is it going well? Exactly. <laughs> are you fulfilling each other's needs? Those are probably better milestones. We get stuck on this because it is something with the achievement. Like the longer you can last, the more successful you are. But there's no way that you could get past the second date with everybody you meet. That would just be so many people and so much of your time, unnecessary time, to be spending on people who are not right for you. I actually think it's a kind of a good thing that you 
haven't gone past the second date with so many people because it means you're filtering out the people who are not right for you. There is a part of me that's like, okay, I'm going to make this assumption that on that second date, you may not be as present as one would hope you would be on a date because you're probably putting that pressure on yourself like we talked about and thinking, how can I impress or try to get past (laughs) the second date? I wonder if we can bring that back a little bit, how you would be with someone on a first date shouldn't change with how you are on a second date, Kevin. Yeah. And I think that's one thing whenever I start going on dates again is something that I want to put into practice. Like after talking with like my therapist, everything's like up here and like understand it, but it's now like now I got to put into practice and like feel comfortable with it. And I'm trying to remember like how I felt when I, again, when I first started going on dating apps, when like I didn't really care about, again, no second date curse existed, or I wasn't really super honed in on about getting to the second, third, et cetera dates. Let me just rediscover that side of me where I was just, just trying to have fun with the person on a date with and like seeing if, I guess that's the biggest thing that happened around like last year is like, I never really asked myself, am I enjoying the date? Right. I was so focused on the other person, like asking them, like, are you having a good time on the date? I never really got saved space and time to like ask myself that. I think that is the biggest shift that can be made. Because even when you were describing that date, when you were kind of checking in to make sure that you would progress, it's like, how am I doing? Like, are you enjoying yourself? But like, what about Kevin? You know, and I think- (laughs) Getting to this mentality, at least for me, was eye-opening when it was, okay, I'm not focused on making this person like me. I'm more focused on do I like them or do I like the way I am around them? Like what side of me they bring out? And I think that subtle shift really does change the fact that you're in control of your love life and you're not relying on other people to say like, are you good enough, right? And I think that's easier said than done, of course. It's not like something that magic happens overnight. But I'm glad that you are like working with someone to go through that. And hopefully even like having conversations like this is a little therapeutic to try to make that switch. Every time like I talk about this situation, I feel like I just learned tiny pieces of information or like experiences that are like new and new. It's like, all right, now I'm prepared for whatever comes my way. But yeah, it's again, like very therapeutic. And I just love being able to talk about my experience, even though it's it's a little like nervous and like embarrassing, but just happy to share that story. Don't be embarrassed. Actually, I think it's so brave of you to tell mm-hmm. this story. And I think it's so wonderful because I think there are a lot of women out there who think men don't think like this, you know? And for you to come in and say, I want these relationships to work and I want to get past the second date. I love hearing that. I love that you are placing importance on dating and you have an end goal in mind. There's nothing to be embarrassed about. It's just more about how do we get past this milestone chaser mindset? I would love to know, what are you like in your life other than romantic life? What are you like at work? What are you like with your friends and family? Yeah, I guess the best way to describe it like with like my friends and family, I'm a very, I don't want to say like socially awkward. It's like kind of like almost like a funny, awkward personality where like any awkward thing I kind of do in the friend group is almost like comedic and funny in a way. And like everyone is used to it. It never like makes people uncomfortable, but it brings like a new angle of like funniness to the group. But so have like that weird awkwardness going on about me. Huge fan of like having a creative outlet. So trying to re-explore like a passion for like photography and videography this year. Did that a lot growing up with my friends in high school. Also quirky and nerdy side of me. Like I'm really into like anime, like <laughs> something I grew up with as a kid, but like I still love it to this day. And something Thing I could talk about on and on for days. Mm-hmm. And what about milestones? Any milestones that you're trying to achieve? 
travel the world. I think that's a big one for me since like I have a very flexible work schedule and I can work remotely and I haven't really been to like many places outside of the US and even within the US. So I think that's probably an achievement or milestone I want to achieve is like travel as much as I could before I can't travel in a way. So fascinating. This is so fascinating. (laughs) Do you hear the difference of how you describe yourself outside of dating versus how you describe dating? You have so much more depth to you outside the milestones. And we see this quite a bit with our listeners is like in other aspects of your life, you can be more of that present person with multiple dimensions who can be really authentic and quirky and fun. But in dating, you're so one dimensional because you're just chasing these superficial milestones. There's such a fundamental difference. You're the type of person who builds rapport over time. Mm -hmm. I can now see why it takes more than a few dates to get to know the real Kevin. And maybe that is something to set up even on a first date. It takes time. This is more of a question just to understand you better too. Like, have you had long-term relationships or any relationships before? No serious or actual relationships. So hence why I don't have a lot of experiences. Mm. But the closest thing was a five-month situationship a couple years ago. That was probably the longest thing I've gone through. And when you say situationship, what did that mean? We were going on dates and doing barely coupley things, but we never officially put a label on it. And like, I think when I popped the question of like, hey, what are we? She was just not communicative and kind of just ended there. Okay, so two things that come out. One, you don't have a second date curse because you obviously (laughs) went on dates with this person. So that's like proof the other way. I do find that happens a lot and I have been guilty of this too is we have a narrative that we tell ourselves. Right. And we actually look at all the evidence that supports the narrative and ignore things that don't. Yes, maybe this was before you coined the second date curse, but it's actually still proof that like you can persist and it doesn't always end at the second date. Yeah. So that's the first thing. (laughs) And I guess the win with that person, I wasn't really honed in on like, again, trying to hit these milestones achievements outside of the whole label thing of like, oh, we got to get to a second, third, fourth date. I think I was just there really Mm. enjoying my time with her. And that's, I think, how I was able to progress it that far and just not really Mm. put that pressure on me. And did you meet on a dating app or did you meet differently? Met in person. She was roommates with one of my best friends from college at the time. So Mm. I mean, that was kind of one of the things I wanted to get at. You know, I'm pro dating apps. I'm definitely not (laughs) anti-dating apps in any way. And I don't, I'm not saying this like you shouldn't use dating apps ever. But I do think dating apps put this milestone pressure on us because every date we go in with this very narrow idea, like, am I going to see this person again or not? Are they my person when you've only met them for an hour? And how would you even know that? But that's the expectation dating apps put. So I feel like for someone like you, Kevin, like, of course, keep using dating apps, like don't limit that option. But what are some other ways that you can just start to get to know people more over time in these more organic situations. Because I think you do thrive in this, okay, let me just like get to know this person and not put so many labels on it. I think that would help you to not feel that pressure as much. 
Mm-hmm. But I know for me, like I remember the last time I was dating, I was definitely in this more mindset of I'm going to like, you know, ask all the right questions and figure out if this is my person. And a lot of those like didn't go anywhere because they felt like too contrived. And right before I met my current partner, we had done the episode with Jeff Harry about how to make dating fun again. He was a play expert. And it really did change my mentality going into that because I'm like, OK, I'm just here to like meet another person. Yeah, just here to connect with someone. There's like no pressure on it. And I do think while dating apps, you know, there is a little of that baked into just like the way they're designed. It's on us to figure out ways that we can still utilize the technology without succumbing to that pressure. Right. I feel like there's almost two different me's. Mm. I feel like there's a dating at me, then there's like yes. dating yep. me who meets people like in person events or like in real life. Again, I feel like I can only communicate so much and almost put up a front on dating apps in a sense, as opposed to like if I meet people at a bar, it's like I got to be like genuine me like off the bat. And that's really hard because, you know, the term shower or grower is also applicable <laughs> to dating is like some people can really show their multiple sides on a first day and can become completely authentic and let their walls down. But I would argue most of us are growers yeah. in that the attraction does grow over time. It's very hard for us to put that authentic self in those first couple dates. What you have is a limiting belief. Mm-hmm. And like what Julie said, it's like you think this is something that's happening to you. But when you look at the evidence, not all the evidence supports so, but you are putting yourself in a self-fulfilling prophecy by putting this limiting belief in your mind. For the longest time, I had a streak of dating guys who would then go back to their (laughs) ex-girlfriends. And I was like, oh, I have a good luck Chuck Mm -hmm. curse, right? Where I somehow must remind them of how wonderful their ex is and they all want to go back to their ex. When in reality, when I looked at my streak, it wasn't a curse of me fending off men who only (laughs) want to go back to their exes. It was me purposefully getting into relationships or getting into situationships with men who were not over their exes. That was my thing. And it also probably wasn't like every guy you dated. It was probably like a handful that you saw it as every guy you dated. Yes. It's the Yelp review bias. It's like the most negative experiences are the loudest, but it's not the majority. The limiting belief can really drive how you act on a date. And that's probably what's taking away from the magic of a date. That's what's Mm -hmm. taking away from the authentic Kevin that we want to see. Personally, I feel like I'm a a data and like numbers person, like especially Mm -hmm. with like my job. So like when I look at my track records, I almost like create some kind of correlation or like some cause Mm -hmm. out of like the numbers I see. I'm like, all right, like if my track record shows I only make it up to the second date, the second date Chris has to be like real or like that's as Mm -hmm. far as I'm going to make it. But I feel like I gave it too much power. Again, like Mm -hmm. funny that you brought about the whole good luck Chuck thing, like looking back, maybe like a majority of the girls I went on dates with minus two, like they ended up getting into a relationship after going on dates Mm. with me. Mm -hmm. Funny enough, I didn't believe in that like whole thing, which is interesting. It's like, all right, like how how I found this trend like after me. You choose which data you want to look at. Yeah, that's definitely a thing. You know, what's interesting, too. And I think like you're at kind of this pivotal point, like you're 28. I remember these are such like formative growth years. And what I'm hearing from you is that you haven't had a ton of relationship history. And I think that actually ties into this mile stone of getting past certain amounts of dates. Like I know I definitely felt that it's like you almost feel like you need to catch up. And now that you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, like, why isn't it working out? And 
I would love for maybe you to look at like, how can you reframe what your goal is on dates? Like instead of making it past the second date, like maybe it's just connecting more with someone or getting that relational experience because it's okay that you haven't had it. Like I think a lot of people feel like there's something wrong, but in today's world, like a lot of us were just focused on growing our careers, going to school, whatever it might be, building our lives outside of dating. It's totally normal, but we think it's not for whatever reason. One thing I'm trying to work on is being comfortable with the idea of being single. I feel like if mm, I can yeah. get comfortable with that, it yeah. also puts less pressure on me. I'm like, I got to get into like a relationship or like get on more dates. Definitely. In a shorter period of time, I just feel like, again, just puts a lot of less stress on me and puts no timeline of like when I need to like meet and be with someone. I think that's huge. And like, honestly, like I said, for before I met my current partner, like I went into it with a different mentality of I'm just going to have fun. But a big part of it was that I was okay being single. And it was just additive at that point to meet someone. So I think that shift is actually really important. And like when you're looking for dating to like fill a void and to fulfill you in some way, that's when it starts to be like, why can't I get past this mark? Like, why does this person like me instead of like, do I even want to be with them? Do I like them? (laughs) Do I even know them? Right? It's like on two dates, you don't even know someone when we really stop and think about it. Yeah. And I think the last dating experience like really opened up my eyes to like my anxious attachment style. It's like you truly are like an attachment style because like I'm asking these validating questions. I need to be in constant communication with this person. And I think in combination with the whole idea of a second date curse, it just spread out the worst. Yeah. So I think it's good to like know your attachment style and to understand yourself. But I do, this is my one gripe about attachment <laughs> style is that people, like you just said it, I am an anxious attachment style. It becomes like your identity where it's not. I think that a lot of people think like, oh, I need to be secure before I can start dating. Like, again, it goes to something's wrong with me because I'm anxious or avoidant or whatever. This is just data. Again, data that you know how you interact. It does not define you. It doesn't make you undateable in any way. So I just want to like caveat that because that's like the one thing with attachment style that you're not the only one that's gone to that dark place. Yeah, definitely. A self-fulfilling prophecy. Again, (laughs) this is why we do so many episodes on self-awareness because there's one fold of self-awareness. It's good to know who you are, but it's another fold to be stuck in who you are. Right. And to understand that you are a constantly evolving human being. Yes, you may have anxious attachment style like behaviors, but that does not define who you are and it does not pigeonhole into who you are. The next question is, Kevin's like, how do I expand out of this? Am I open to becoming more of the secure attachment? Probably. I have that in me. I've seen it. The more you look for the red car, you'll (laughs) keep seeing a red car on the road. You know, it's the same thing in our minds. Our brains are just not objective in any way. So we hope you understand that the blinders that you have on the limiting beliefs and the self-fulfilling prophecy, but knowing that you have the power to rise out of it and to expand out of it. And the other thought I want to ask you is, what do you picture as the ideal relationship? Mm. How do you feel around this person? Because sometimes when we're chasing milestones of date to date, we lose sight of that North Star of what I'm actually looking for in a person. I want to feel secure around this person. I want to feel like I don't need to ask for validation because they just give me validation. If you have more of that North Star Then on that second date, you can measure your second date against the North Star. Like, how does this person make me feel? 
How do I feel around this person? What is this person bringing out in me, and do I like it? Yeah, that's definitely a good point, Yue. That kind of follows along. Like when I was going on these dates, I never put time aside to really ask myself, like, what do I want out of a relationship, or like,、mm-hmm. what's my ideal relationship? I had the cop out answer of like, oh, I just want to be with someone and have someone to talk to, and just like have these very intimate moments. I feel like that was always like my general broad answer, but like I never really got to put in time to give like specifics of like, I guess like one I was able to answer this for myself like a month ago、uh, with like my therapist. I guess like one of the things. I hope to get out of like an ideal relationship is like I could be my quirky nerdy self. Like、mm. I feel like going on these dates, like、yes. I almost like hid parts of like、yes. my nerdy personality. It's like oh, if I reveal this part, like she's probably not going to be attracted or think of、uh-huh. differently of me. So I want someone who I can be like comfortable in my own skin and talk about like the different passions I have that they're open to hearing and learning about. So maybe the success metric of dates is that. Yeah, it's not do I get to the next date. It's like. Did I show up as myself? Yes, and I think that is ultimately the only way to have a relationship, right? Because if you're going to be with this person for a while, they need to love and appreciate who you are. So what that results in, though, maybe is being rejected a little more、mm-hmm. because you're not going to be everyone's cup of tea. Like I remember when I was dating, I was showing myself more than ever before, and I got rejected more than ever before. But that's a good thing because you're making room for the right person. So like, how can You reframe too that like not making it to the next date isn't a character flaw or like a problem with you. It's just making room for the right person. Yes. Let's hold that thought for a quick message. We are so excited to share with you our new podcast exit interview. Dates don't usually end with a satisfaction survey, and yet we rate everything in our lives, from Uber drivers to local coffee shops. So why don't we do the same thing when dating? We're here to conduct the ultimate romance review, featuring daters hungry for love who have agreed to call up old flames to gather honest feedback. Welcome to Exit Interview. He upgraded himself to business class while I was in economy. Wait, wow! What? There's feedback that will make you cringe. She could be a little bit hard-headed, like not reading the writing on the wall. And feedback that will make you swoon. When she said that she had feelings for you, I had no idea. Really? And maybe you'll learn a thing or two yourself about how you can be a better dater, lover, or partner. Obviously, like Nia is gonna learn something. I didn't expect this. Welcome to Exit Interview. Listen to Exit Interview on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Getting to know yourself can be a lifelong process, especially because we're always growing and changing. I recently learned that I can get triggered because I jump to conclusions, but I could avoid that if I could just pause and seek understanding of what is being said to me. Therapy is all about deepening your self-awareness and understanding because sometimes we don't know what we want or why we react the way we do until we talk through things. BetterHelp connects you with a licensed therapist who can take you on that journey of self-discovery from wherever you are. Therapy has helped me unlearn from my past and forge a new path that benefits me better. My therapist makes me feel like I have a cheerleader who is always rooting for me. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Discover your potential with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com/dateable today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P dot com slash D-A-T-E-A-B-L-E.
You are so analytical. Yeah. I think you are one of the most analytical guests we've ever had on the show, which is why your brain is like taking the information, analyzing, spitting out something, and then thinking about something else. (laughs) Maybe, Kevin, you just have to like simplify. What is a simplified way I can approach dating? And it's just as simple as, am I having fun with this person? Do I feel like I can be my authentic self? That's it. I don't need to think about, do they like me? Am I saying the right things? What date are we on? I can guarantee you the best dates I've been on or relationships I've had, I lost count of how many dates. I wasn't like, oh, we're on date number seven now. Mm -hmm. No, you lose count. You just want to keep hanging out. They no longer become dates because you're just spending time together. Yeah, and I feel like I'm almost a methodical dater in a sense where like I have mm-hmm. like oh, a template of like, oh, yeah. I got to ask these questions or yeah. follow this. But I think this is a conversation I'd like with my therapist. Maybe I have to like almost like date with like my brain off in a sense yes. where like I'm not thinking yes. about. Yes. We've heard your story so many times. Like, so I want you to like, yes. I'm saying that because there's nothing <laughs> wrong with you and like the no. way that you're dating. This is time and time again. And a lot of times when we're thinking about the next thing to say, and are we going to ask all the right questions for someone to like me? We're basically not present at that point on the date. And people can feel that, right? Like they can feel when you're not present. A lot of times, like people don't realize that you're just coming with the intention of trying to like do well on this date. Everyone has their own insecurities that are going on for that. We did an episode a long time ago where we did an exit interview on the podcast. And one of the girls of the person that we were doing the exit interview for, she was just like, yeah, he got the check. He didn't like me. He moved on. And in his mind, he was saying, oh, like, I thought it was too late. I didn't want to like keep her there. So everyone has their own interpretation. But all that does is keep us in our heads and not actually connecting with the person. Yeah. And I think another thing I am working on is like having more confidence in myself Mm -hmm. because I have like little to no confidence. So it's like, how do I just have full on confidence without again, asking these questions and just like, again, I feel like that comes down to just being comfortable who I am and just having fun. We've talked about this before, and I was in the same boat as you, is like this dating Kevin in the real Kevin. And like the date Kevin, right? Like you're put in, UA has been here too. Like we've all been here before that we feel we need this like persona almost as we're dating. So like I think encourage you to just, how do you act with your friends? Like how do you act with your loved ones? Like that quirky side that you've been talking about, just show that. Like we don't need to like be this date version of ourselves. a work in progress. Yeah, <laughs> and it that. is. We're all works in progress. Yeah, you're not yeah. going to get it. Nobody has it figured out. Nobody yeah. has their shit together in dating. You can rest in that because even the women you've been on dates with, they're probably like wondering, what's wrong with me? You know, right. everybody's wondering, what's wrong with me? So everyone's so self-referential. They're thinking about themselves anyway. So if that's the case, why not make it an enjoyable experience? Here are some things that has worked for other people we've spoken to. One is for someone like you who takes a little time to build that rapport and show true Kevin, maybe you want to front load with more video calls or phone calls. So you're not using that time in person. And maybe it's like one or two calls a week, really build up that rapport, maybe have some inside jokes before you meet up in person. So you feel more comfortable with them. So then your first date is no longer a first date. It's like 
fifth time we're talking yeah. or whatever. No it second is. date curse. When no second date curse. Yeah, your second date was on a phone. Yeah, <laughs> you escaped that. Something else we've seen that's worked is you could consider hanging out with a close friend right before the date. Mm-hmm. So you roll in from a place of just being comfortable and authentic right into the day, so you don't feel like you have to put on a different face. That also has been really helpful. Yeah, I think those are definitely good things. And this is something I thought of, but I don't know if I'll go through with it or not. Like usually when I go on like first dates, I'll like tell like my, my friends, I'm like, hey, I have a day coming up. And I feel like telling them that almost puts a lot of like pressure and stress on me. Mm. <laughs> so it's oh. like, do I kind of like stop telling my friends like, yes. oh, I'm like, first date? Do I kind of like yes. be secretive about it? I mean, I don't think it's secretive, but I actually, I remember going through the exact same thing. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm so sick of my friends being like, whatever happened to that person? Oh, and you're like, mm. oh yeah, that person, they're God, right? And then it makes you feel like, especially like, I don't know, I remember I had these like two married friends that never dated and they're just like why does nothing seem to work out and then that gets in your head right they're not in the dating scenes they don't see that this is actually quite normal unfortunately yeah but i think i wouldn't say it's like holding back by doing it but more the way i would look at it is i'm going to tell someone about this person when it becomes something to tell them about when you have this mentality of i'm just getting to know this new person for the first couple of dates i'm not putting a pressure that it needs to become my significant other or my person like i'm solely going there to just meet someone new if you were doing that in a professional context or even just for a friend, you wouldn't tell your friends about every last person you're meeting. Right. You would just go and meet them. And then if you became close friends with them, then you would, of course, introduce them and talk about them. So just like letting it happen a little more naturally is okay. And I think whatever you can do to reduce the pressure. So like figuring out where you feel this pressure coming from and how do you like relinquish some of that is going to just be better for you overall. Going off UA's suggestion of like, you know, hanging out with like friends to like calm my nerves before that, maybe like a mental pep talk I need to give myself is like, hey, don't get too eager, excited, like if the first date goes well, because I think that's what happened with the last couple of dates, yeah. is like after the first date goes well, the whole common thing of like falling in love with the whole potential and yes. future idea of this person that's yep. again adds on to the thing. So it's like, all right, I think I've started to like tell myself like, all right, stop thinking about the future with this person or like any kind of potential. You've been only on one day or it's going to go on one day. You can't base future off that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so many of us just get so ahead of ourselves. And it's not like we're telling people to be negative and think the worst. But let's just be honest. Like when we met someone for an hour, we don't know where yeah. they are in life. Like UA was saying, they're the people that like went back to their ex. And you said that that happened to you too, Kevin. It's like you have no idea what's going on for this person. So like how do we just like build this whole imaginary life? with someone that's all it is it's imaginary it's yeah. a fantasy at that point all my friends whenever i would tell them about like these dating experiences you're like you've only been on two three dates with exactly this person. it's like yeah <laughs> like you don't know them enough right yeah they understand like my feelings are valid but your mind is like over the world for this person and like you're already picturing the next steps with this person and it doesn't make sense so yeah and that's why it stings so much too right and becomes like this feeling of failure because like you've right. built this thing up that just isn't even there in the first place. 
And it's not just you. A lot of us do that. Yeah. No, it's definitely frustrating. And we've all been there. So don't feel like you're the lone wolf (laughs) in this at all. Everybody's been there. The times that I've spent just, I don't even know, wasting my time thinking about this person that was not real. They were not even the person I met. It's good to have some grounding thoughts as well. Sometimes I think if I get really excited about someone, I think you're very valid to get excited. And I think that's part of the magic of dating is that you get excited about people. So don't dim your light there, Kevin. (laughs) But I think a grounding thought is I only just met this person. So I'm excited about the potential of this person. I will admit it to myself. I'll allow myself to get excited, but then also know that this could be a fantasy. That's okay. Right. You know, Allow yourself that space to get a little worked up about someone. I think I have like a question for you too. Is like, do you think three dates over the course of six days like a little too fast? I don't think I've ever heard. Maybe there's people out there, but I haven't heard of it. It's a very good question. I don't think there's a hard, fast rule. But what I would say mm-hmm. is, where is this coming from? What I heard from you was that it was coming from this fear <laughs> of getting like yes. having the second day curse. So you're just moving everything 100%. along. I think that's very different than you just are like, oh my God, we both really just like each other. want to spend a lot of time together. Yes. So instead of saying like, is three dates and six days too much? Let's get rid of these like numbers and these arbitrary milestones stone markers. What's my intention for doing this in the first place? Is it coming from a place of wanting to connect with someone? Or is it coming from a place of validation? Does it feel authentic? Does it feel forced? Does it feel like, oh my God, we have to cram all these dates in Mm -hmm. so that I can win this game of love? I don't even know what it is. And like almost speaking of it as a game, I feel like almost my mindset, the whole dating situation has to be in my control and I have to dictate the terms of like how things start and end. So it's like if things fail, I put the blame all on me. So there's not a whole lot of Mm. forgiveness on my part. And that's something I've picked up along the way these past couple months is to have a lot more forgiveness. And it's not all on me that these dates have ended. It goes back to the fact that you don't know this person at all. Like it might have zero to do with you whatsoever. Yeah, I think that's the thing is like we all put ourselves at the center. And we almost it's like we envision that this person has nothing else going on other than us. And if we don't go to the next date, that it's because we did something to fuck it up. But that really is not the case mm-hmm. at all. That's definitely one of the biggest mind shifts I'm having in like my mind's like, all right, it's a two-way mm-hmm. street. You're not the complete yeah. like, X factor. And it's not that you failed. It's just that you weren't the right fit for each other, whether that's because right. you're not compatible or because they have something else happening in their life. Whatever it might be, it doesn't mean that there's something wrong with you or you did something wrong. That's the shift that we also have to get out of because it's the pressure of taking it personally. It's too much. The other thing I'm trying to work on is like, I'm so invested in like, (laughs) I guess I'm almost like a sensitive person where it's if I feel like I bonded with this person, it was like this person was the one. If you focus on that, the grounding question for yourself is the one would want to be with me too. (laughs) You know, like that, that person's obviously not the one if they are not aligned with what you want in a relationship. Sometimes we get into the spirals of like, oh, I just need to convince this person I'm the right person for them. Or they just need to see that we could be great together. That's not the right person for you. The right person does not need to be convinced. The right person will want to keep seeing you. In fact, they'll make time to see you. And if you have to do anything more than that, like forcing them or convincing them, that's not the right person. You guys had an episode with like Kiersey Taylor where she was like talking about like, Mm -hmm. don't try to like get back with like your ex or like someone 
you're trying to like win over and like hearing that podcast like help resonate that idea you shouldn't want to like chase and put in all this effort with someone who doesn't feel the same way or like won't put in the effort as well so yeah no absolutely and you know what this is all growth i think that is actually the benefit Mm -hmm. of dating like we don't see it in the moment because it's so painful and difficult but basically dating has caused you to reflect on yourself and grow through some of these pain points and build the confidence looking at the qualities that make you the wonderful person that you are. So I think there's actually a lot to thank for dating, but understanding it can be really hard when you're in it. What advice would you have for someone that's kind of in the thick of it that feels like they're like, oh my God, the second date curse, or I just can't make it past the second date as someone that's been there themselves. Yeah, I have a few. And I guess the first one is don't believe in any kind of curses, even though if you have like (laughs) any kind of track record. Yes. (laughs) That's definitely the big one. Like I learned out of this and I'm standing by like, even though I don't make it by this far, it's like, it's not an actual thing. Like again, like what Julian Yue, you were saying, it just wasn't with the right person and we just weren't compatible in certain facets. So that's the first one. Don't believe in any kind of curses because like like, once you start believing in it and start thinking about it, you start giving it power in your relationships and like dating experiences. Two, don't ask for questions about like validation or like reassurance about like if they like you back. Like again, I think that's probably the other big one is ask yourself first. It's like, am I having a good time? Like, do I like who I am around them? Am I acting like 100% myself? Am I putting like my best foot forward? Am I hiding anything that's really me? So I think that's the other big thing. Probably those would be the biggest two pieces of advice I would give to someone. I think a lot of people can relate to this entire conversation. I mean, it's definitely taken me back to my my late 20s. So I feel it. I remember this exact feeling. So you're very relatable, Kevin. (laughs) I think my biggest takeaway is that like our minds can really dictate the outcome of certain behaviors and activities. It's so interesting that we focus on all the ways that we're not measuring up instead of the ways that we are. Because like sitting here with you, Kevin, like you clearly have so much to offer to someone. You're so sweet. You're so wonderful. Like you could just tell you have so much like love to give to someone. So how do you start like focusing on all the that and like also like what makes you feel secure instead of like what makes you feel anxious? Not to say that you have to ignore the parts that you can work on. It's always a work in progress. But how do we also start to give as much weight to the things that we bring to the table as what's holding us back? So I think that's one thing that definitely stuck out to me. That kind of stems back to like me almost going back to the basics of dating, of like dating with intentions and what are your goals. And again, just I feel like the core of dating is like having fun and like, yeah, who do you have the most fun with? Mm -hmm. I think that is a big piece too. It's like this milestone achievement mentality. And like, I feel like it never ends because then you get in a relationship, (laughs) then you want to get engaged, then you want to get married, have kids. Like, it's just like this ladder that we keep climbing. And so much of that is just like ingrained in society. It's like if you look at your job, It's always getting that next promotion, earning the raise, right? So a lot of this is just like unlearning all of it. But Mm -hmm. you're right. It's going back to the basics. Like, why do we want a partner in the first place? We don't want to just get married to anyone. We want to get married to the right person for us. Mm -hmm. It's like, how do we go back like 10 steps and just focus on the present? I know it sounds so cliche, but I really think getting into that moment, that's when the best dates happen. 
where we don't have a list of questions we need to run through or we aren't questioning if someone likes us. We're just having fun with someone. Mm -hmm. And I think UA said it in this. It's like, how do you just get back to two questions? Am I having fun? And am I being myself? Exactly. And we don't think about anything else. Just let everything else go accordingly. Fuck the milestones. Who cares? (laughs) Second date, third date, three months, six months. Who cares? The milestones that matter are Am I able to show my true self to this person without the fear of them leaving? I think that is so on many daters' minds. I know that Julie talks about this quirky side she has. I certainly have this super weird side that I only show to certain people. And we hear this all, we all have the side that's like, that is who you are. That's the inner child. That's who you are when nobody's watching, nobody's around. That's who you were born with, right? That's like the innate quirkiness that makes you a unique human being. And if we feel comfortable enough showing this side, we've reached a milestone with this person. But we also hear this on so many episodes we've done. I was afraid to show this side because they might leave me or scare them off or they would think I'm too weird or too goofy or too quirky. Well, if you're too quirky or weird for someone, they're too wrong for you. Yeah. And we know, right? That's, right. Yeah. that's the only milestone to check off. That's it. Yeah. And, you know, in a relationship, too, this is speaking to anybody in a relationship. This is a constant milestone, too. Oh God, I yeah. may show myself today to my partner. Tomorrow, I may not feel comfortable doing so. I have to get our relationship back to a place where I feel that way again. So don't feel like once you're in, in a relationship, this is the work is done. It's not. No, honey. Sadly. The work is never done. <laughs> we are always working to find and show our true selves in a safe space. And the person who's right for us creates that safe space and not only accepts us for who we are, the uniqueness, but loves us for that side of us that we were so afraid to show. Isn't that liberating? That's so liberating. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why dating is so important too, right? Because it's giving you practice because this is a lifelong skill. This is not ending <sighs> it really once is. you meet yeah. someone, sadly. <laughs> that was like well put you in. And I think like I definitely learned about myself and like the whole dating environment. I feel like it's not in the best place it could be right now, but it's definitely opened my eyes about what's truly important. And you write your narrative. I think that's the last takeaway I have. It's so easy to get stuck on like what hasn't worked in the past or I haven't had this experience or I have had this experience. Every day is new. What is it that you want to be your narrative today? You actually have that control. And I think we relinquish that control too often to what other people think, but also like what we think because of past data that actually isn't accurate in any way. Yeah. And I think just like being able to talk about like the whole second date, Chris, it's almost like a release from it. It's like Mm. uh, you're going off into the ether and hopefully no one else believes in it. (laughs) But I could start to truly like see and enjoy what's around me. Let's break that curse. (laughs) Well, Kevin, you're doing a great job. We just want to tell you that. Thanks for coming on our show. Thanks for telling us your story. Most importantly, thanks for recognizing Mm. that this is something you want to break free of and work on. Listen, if you knew everything about dating now, what's the point of dating? The whole point of dating is to learn, right? Sometimes we ask this questions like, what would you say to your 10-year-old self? What would you say to your 20-year-old self? I would say, do exactly what you're doing because you've got to do these things to learn from it. 
don't beat yourself up for the things you don't know because you'll get there. You're learning them from these experiences as long as you recognize change needs to happen. And we are so proud of you for wanting that change and making that change. Thank you. Yeah, definitely happy to be on the show and just share my experience and hopefully other people can relate. And again, not believe in any curses, but (laughs) yeah. (laughs) I mean, definitely. I think, yeah, like just the fact that you're here and relinquishing this curse is the step in the right direction. For all of our listeners, if you would like to break the curse as well, we appreciate a rating (laughs) and review in Apple Podcasts, whatever curse you're under. Proven. It's like magic. If you give us five stars and write something nice, poof, your curse disappears. You'll be released from your curse forever. It's very scientific, but yes, thank you for data, data thank you for listening. Yeah. Data, data, dateable. Yes, I want to thank you again, Kevin, for chatting with us. And on that note, we're going to wrap up this episode. Stay dateable. The Dateable Podcast is part of the Frolic Media Network. Find more podcasts you'll love at frolic.media slash podcasts. You can follow us on Instagram at Dateable Podcast and visit datablepodcast.com for access to all the episodes and our premium programs. Also, make sure to subscribe today if you haven't already on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. So you are the first to get all the latest episodes. And most importantly, stay dateable. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.